Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. So glad you are joining me today. I hope your week is going well. And we are talking about change. And I want to make sure that you remember, if you weren't able to listen to the show yesterday, you can always go to the website, and it's posted up there at the end of the week. So the whole issue of change... You know, change is inevitable, and I love this saying, nothing is permanent except change. The only constant is change. Nothing endures but change. The only thing you can depend on is change. And I gave you that um, that, uh, the famous uh, saying that Harold Wilson gave in the Consultative Assembly of the Council of Europe in Strasbourg, France. 1967, and he says, he who rejects change is the architect of decay, the only human institution which rejects progress is the cemetery. You know, and sometimes we don't see change as progress, but it's always progress if we let it be, because change is moving forward. Even if something is dying, change is moving forward. So we see, the, we see the seasons. We see we go from fall into spring, spring into summer, and summer into winter. And it cycles. And these seasons are intended to bring necessary change. So we left off yesterday talking about these three types of changes, and we're going to really spend time on those today that there are three types of change. The first change, which is the one that's the most tolerable and probably many times the easiest to manage, even if it's a difficult change, is the one that I generate. It's the one I initiate. So this would be my decision to get pregnant, or this would be my decision to go back to school. Um, It might be my decision to work on my physical health, any of these types of things that I decide. It's my choice. So what comes with those types of changes is I also can choose to stop the change in many ways. So humans like choices and freedom. And this is why this this type of change, even though it can be stressful because any stress, any change is stressful, I at least had a choice in it. So this is, this is the one that we generate, we initiate. That's the first type of change. The second type of change is the one that's predictable, but unavoidable. So this would be things like aging. This would be things like children growing up and going into puberty. These are the things that are inevitable. They are inevitably going to happen. Summer is going to come. Winter, fall is going to happen. Winter is going to be here. 
then we'll have spring. The day is going to end. A new day is going to begin. These are, this is predictable, unavoidable, and inevitable. And the third one, this is the one that's the hardest one. This is the one that's thrust upon us. I didn't get any choice, and I didn't even know it was necessarily coming. So that might be an unexpected pregnancy. That's like 9-11. Things like, I just found out that I have um, a, a deadly disease that I have to fight. Or I just get the terrible phone call that a loved one has passed away and should not have. So when we're thinking about these types of changes, the first type of change, this is what we might want to ask ourselves. Is this change something I actually need to initiate? Do I need to do this? Do I need to accept something that comes with the choice of change? Is there something I can control? And if I do initiate this change, what are some of the losses that might come with that change? Because remember, every loss has a gain, every gain has a loss. So with change comes change. And I know that doesn't sound very um, uh, poignant or brilliant, but you actually want to, if you really think about it, every change brings change. And so what are the losses? What are, what are the things that are going to happen if I initiate this change? So if I decide to lose weight, that'll be a great gain. But what might be the other change that I don't anticipate? Well, if you're a woman, maybe you'll get more attention and maybe it won't be attention that you like. Maybe it will mean that you have to give up certain foods, certain types of things that you drink. In order to get that wonderful change of the weight loss, you have to still lose a different thing. And how am I going to manage the stress of this change, even if it's a great change? So when we look at the second type of change, these are, this is what's predictable but unavoidable. How do I deal with changes that are predictable but maybe undesirable? Well, we really want to go with the flow. So I want to really practice acceptance. If I try to fight the change that's inevitable, I'm just going to exhaust myself. So I need to look for the good things that might be coming with that. So I go with the flow. Then I have to accept the feelings of, of grief and loss. So if I'm aging, I have to accept the fact that, wow, I, I really am aging. I look older or my body doesn't work the same. Um, I, I've talked frequently about anyone over 50, they have what's called anomia, and an is lack or no um, in Latin, and nomia is name. And one of the things that happens to the brain after the age of 50, sometimes 45, is you have a retrieval problem. So you'll hear people in their 50s and older saying, what's the name of that person? What's the name of that movie? Oh, I can see it. I can picture it. 
What's that word? I can't find that word. And so that's part of the grief and loss process if I'm aging. Then I want to make sure one of the ways I also help that loss or help the acceptance of this predictable, inevitable change is I communicate. I communicate how I feel. I talk about how we feel. And that's how I seek support. I might want to seek some support systems as I'm having to go through that inevitable change. It's very important as we have inevitable changes that we stay fit. We really practice working on our health because these types of changes that are inevitable are stressful. The healthier I am, the better I manage the stress of that change. And then I focus on the gains. What's the good thing about this? Well, what's the good thing about aging? Well, there's less pressure in some ways. You know, when you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s, especially for women, there's a lot of pressure for you with your appearance. But as we get older, it's like, you know, what am I going to do? I, what, 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 what can I do about it? Nothing, right? I can be as healthy as possible, stay as fit as possible, but I'm not 20. So what's the gain? Maybe there's less pressure on me about my appearance. What would, what, when you focus on the gains, it really helps you to recognize, okay, so there is a loss here, but what am I gaining? Where is the gain? Because there's always a gain with a loss, always. And I also address and strengthen my spiritual life. Inevitable changes and the stress, the resultant stress, the best way to support that stress is having a very active, fruitful, deep, spiritual life. So that the enemy can't come in and add more losses that would be unnecessary. So that the enemy can't come in and lie to you. So we really control our thinking. And we talked a lot about that the first week of this year about how I think and how I use my brain to help me instead of my brain hurting me and that our brains always go to the negative and we have to resist that process. So I address and I strengthen my spiritual life and I let my mind be transformed and renewed by Christ. And I remind myself that what, for whatever a man thinketh within, so he is. The third type of change, which is truly the most difficult, that's the change that's thrust upon us. That's the one nobody has choice in. That's somebody that I love has a heart attack and dies with completely unexpected. Maybe they were in their 40s. It's a shock. 9-11. Storms, you know, when, when we get monsoons, we know they're probably going to come, but we don't know when, and we don't know how big they're going to be. Illnesses, even winning the lottery. 
that's a change that even though maybe we initially chose to buy the ticket, we probably never dreamed we would win it. And if you've ever heard any stories about people that have won the lottery, within one year of winning, they are worse off than they ever were before they won the lottery. If they don't know how to manage that change. So all three of these types of changes, whether unexpected, self-generated, or predictable and unavoidable, can either be positive or negative. Both having loss as well as gain. See, some, of lo some losses are necessary, painful, but positive. Think about the story of the caterpillar turning into a butterfly or someone that quits smoking. The loss, if, if you, and I've talked about smoking before, if you have smoked and had a nicotine addiction, it's a huge loss to quit, but it's a huge gain that you did, right? So many times positive or negative change, changes resulting in negative outcomes have to do more with the following issues. So if I have positive or negative change and I don't know how to deal with it, it usually is due to the fact that I may have a lack of coping skills or I may have difficulty in managing stress well. Or like we talked about yesterday, I rely on defense mechanisms like avoidance, control, manipulation, resistance, defensiveness, dissociation, these types of things. I might be resistant to the grief and loss process, which keeps me stuck. Maybe I have just a general overall fear of pain itself. So we want to really understand that managing and effectively coping with a loss or a gain, a positive or a negative stress, it's mandatory that I'm able to manage these because otherwise I get no success and I lose the, the gift of growth in that process. And that kind of growth produces depth, character, wisdom, being a substantive person, a person of substance. And there's a maturing process, if I will let that happen. And these are qualities that are indicative of a very, quote-unquote, safe person, a trustworthy person, a godly person. Because losses will, in, will occur. And part of managing and growing is my willingness to accept the necessary losses. So I love this verse. This is Matthew um, chapter 10, verse 16. This is out of the Amplified Bible. It says, Behold, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wary and wise as serpents and be innocent, which is harmless, guileless, and without falsity. Be innocent as doves. What's so interesting about this verse and what I didn't know is that serpents are cunning and wise enough to be willing to lose their entire body except for their head. If they keep their head, 
their body can grow back. It's weird. So this is why God says, I want you to be wise as serpents. Understand what you're willing to lose so that you don't lose the best part of you. And when we look at being innocent as doves, what this means is that I'm not, I'm not necessarily naive, but innocence means I still believe the best. I can still hope. And so I tell people frequently, you know, in, in my life, I have experienced many, many painful things. And what I do for a living, I, I hear, I don't even know if anyone could ever shock me. I've heard so many things and what people have gone through. But I, so I am not naive, but I am innocent. I always hope for the best, think of the best, want the best. And I believe that there can be the best. So when change and loss are appropriately done, and a healthfully integrated person of character and virtue will come forth. So when the change or loss is resisted due to the inability to manage it effectively or defense mechanisms, you know, become the, the main coping strategy, as we've talked about earlier, it may, it, it's important that you understand these defense mechanisms and how um, unhealthy they can be. So this is not necessarily a characterological issue initially. But if I practice them, and that's the only solution I have, then I can be categorized as a very highly dysfunctional, sometimes an illegal or often immoral person. So the behaviors are the outcome, not the source. For example, the person that has no coping strategy or skills for intense emotional pain may use alcohol for relief. If this becomes the, the main coping skill, well, you see where I'm going. So the drinking, you know, this, you know, God says everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. So if that becomes, though, my main coping skill, I will end up having a very serious addiction. So whatever the, the alcohol was trying to manage, whatever problem or change or hurt or stress the initial reason for drinking alcohol was, becomes a smaller problem in light of the addiction, which becomes an even bigger problem than the one I started with. So generally, these strategies, these defense mechanisms are usually used to avoid the grief and loss process. And this is a necessary process to deal with loss in a healthy way. If I don't know how to do the grief and loss process and come out of the pain stronger, healthier, more sub substantive person, then I become someone that is weakened, exhausted, and maybe struggling with greater sin if I don't know how to do the grief and loss process. So let's look at some of these defense mechanisms. And we're going to follow up with the um, rest of them tomorrow because we're not going to get through all of them today. So the first one that we can look at that you may really recognize is avoidance. And that's a very pervasive pattern of avoiding or withdrawing from social interaction, 
oftentimes. It's a defense mechanism by which the person removes himself or herself from any unpleasant situation. So this person avoids talking about, referring to, going places, etc. That has anything to do with pain. So they might say something like, well, I don't want to bring it up because it only makes it worse. Or there's no point in talking about it because it's already done. Let's not rehash the past. And this is, this is where you want to understand that avoidance only weakens us. It makes it more difficult for us to handle pain the more I practice avoidance. Because the more avoidant I am, the more things I need to avoid. And my life gets smaller, more negative, and I become someone that then has very little ability to even experience joy. So the second one, a defense mechanism, is control. And this is the attempt to control outcomes, micromanaging things, I repress feelings. And when, when I'm controlling, then I will use other defense mechanisms as a way to avoid the pain. So when someone's in terrible grief, it may be natural to control what they can. But controlling little things that really don't seem to matter. Because maybe I was avoidant, which increased my tendency to be controlling. It becomes very unhealthy if the need to control becomes a more pervasive behavior. Because again, my world gets smaller and smaller. I get weaker, less able to manage any pain at all, which is going to increase my need to use defense mechanisms. So a third defense mechanism is resistance. And resistance is often a form of deflection, which is similar to avoidance in some ways. And resistance is certainly a control issue. So it might look like refusing to plan a funeral. I don't want to accept the fact that this person has died, so I won't plan the funeral as a way to control the loss. So you may see resistance. It might be procrastination, micromanaging, things uh, to the point that it's impossible to even get an event off the ground. So resistance is, I'm resisting uh, making that phone call. I'm resisting facing my friend. I'm resisting, you know, the, the idea that I need to confront a particular issue. And when you're trying to be in relationship with highly resistant people, you can understand, you can imagine the pain and the grief and the loss that goes with that defense mechanism. And once that becomes habitual, it's very difficult to resist it. Because the lie from the enemy is that these defense mechanisms work. Because they give us a little bit of relief from the pain. But they don't change it. And it ends up making it worse. So I'm glad you joined me today. Join me tomorrow as we talk more about different types of defense mechanisms and how we really want to be able to manage the dilemma of change.
So I want you to have a great day today. Join me tomorrow. Make sure you check out the website. I always love it when you give me feedback. And Jeremy, my producer, thank you so much for helping me today. So God bless you, and I will talk to you tomorrow. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.